0: Welcome to the SDR Disco Call podcast, a podcast designed for brand new sales development reps in the world of software as a service. Every Tuesday, we're going to be bringing you a new guest who's still in the role to share how or why they've gone into sales development. What have they learned in their SDR career and journey to date, and what three pieces of information would they like to share back to new and existing reps to help them become happy sellers? Every show is transcribed, recorded with links from the guests, which are available at happyselling.io forward slash podcast. I'm going to be your host, Neil Buyan, and I look forward to taking you into the world of sales development through the SDR Disco Call podcast. So with that in mind, let's begin. So welcome to one of the first recordings for 2021 on the SDR Disco Call podcast. I'm your host, Neil Buian, And today we've got a very special guest from a special friend, Sir Addison. If you're watching or listening in, thank you for introducing to me the, to this character that we have today. Uh, We have Joshua Brown. Joshua, how are you doing today, sir?
1: I'm doing well, Neil. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing super. All the better for speaking and connecting with you. Um, So Joshua, um, for the listeners that are listening or perhaps the people that are watching this show, could you please tell us who are you, where in the world are you from, and currently where are you at? I
1: can do that. Um, My name is Joshua Brown. Uh, I am based out in the Bay Area of California, uh, Oakland to be specific.
0: Thank you very much. And uh, where, where are you at in terms of work and what do you do, sir? Oh,
1: yeah, I should have answered that in the first question. Uh, I am an outbound sales development manager at Pantheon Platform.
0: Thank you very much. And at a super high level, what does Pantheon do for the guys that may, may want to know?
1: They should want to know. Uh, we're a website operations platform, uh, and we empower like your marketing and development teams to take control of your website. Like simply put, we make the internet and open source irresistible. Ooh
0: was irresistible <laughs> like
1: that.
0: so obviously uh, guests uh, and listeners for the show um this is a bit of a different twist um because as mentioned this is a podcast for SDRs and we normally have SDR guests and this is one of our first SDR managers and hopefully not the last um and when Addison our mutual friend uh, said hey Neil there's this guy Joshua you need to connect with him he's got such a cool story I was like Addison but He's an SDR manager. He's like, no, 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 you need to connect with him. So I said, okay, I'll give it a go. And Joshua, I was speechless. Like we had a, a well over an hour conversation back in uh, 2020. And I was just like, yeah, I, n- I need to get this guy on the show 100% because you've got an inspirational story. And I'm looking forward for you sharing that with everybody today. Um, And the, the one thing that kind of caught my eye when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, I saw SDR manager, but then I saw Hype Man, and I was just like, "Okay, Hype Man, you uh, help us understand what is what do you mean by Hype Man for you?"
1: Well, Neil, you're making it pretty difficult for me because now I need to live up to this hype. Um, so <laughs> what? what <laughs> you know, when you're in sales development, um, hype is so important. You know, bringing a positive attitude to the job every single day is essential. Um, and you know, my job as a manager is to make sure. All those who are, you know, working with me, all my colleagues, are hyped up as well, um, as well as hyping up myself to get hyped. going not put it better
0: myself, man. And you definitely hyped me, and hopefully you bring that hype beast to this show. Um, but as mentioned, I was uh, checking out your LinkedIn, and I remember seeing things such as Bake Sale Betty, uh, Teacher Aid, uh, Outwood and Berkwood Bur- School, Co-founder for Open Circle LLC an enterprise SDR at the company that I always struggle to say, help me out here.
1: Conversica.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, And then obviously coming to Pantheon, being an SDR team lead and now as a manager, could you kind of like walk us through that journey from like Bake Sell Betty to kind of getting to Pantheon?
1: I can definitely do that. Uh, So, I mean, we all have those like first jobs in high school. Bake Sell Betty was that for me. Um, I was bagging sandwiches, bagging cookies. Um, bake so Betty is actually like this pretty great bakery in Oakland. Um, and so it's a pretty high intense job. Um, it wasn't that slow type of bakery that people might typically have that exposure to, you know, mm-hmm. this was, I was on it. Like, you know, the way sales, uh, SDRs are sort of cranking calls and tossing out emails, like I was doing that, but with sandwiches. Um, so high intensity in high school, just trying to make a buck. Um, and then. I think you mentioned after that, um, Open Circle. Open Circle was once I was in college. Um, I was actually dealing with like a good amount of social anxiety, um, and I'll go into that in a bit. And yeah. my friend and I actually decided to create a uh, social engagement platform for universities. Um, so that was a great stint of you know being an entrepreneur, um, and then eventually. I got a stellar opportunity at um, Conversica. You know, Addison took a leap of faith on me um, and was able to sort of branch out into the corporate world. Um, and then, you know, the rest is kind of history. Did a great job uh, in sales development, and then uh, went over to Bantheon as a as a manager.
0: Absolutely love it. And obviously, just for the the watchers and listeners, so we're right in January twenty twenty one right now. Um, and I was just wondering, with Addison, pre-corona, have you ever got into the car with that dude before? Have you oh. ever been driven by Addison?
1: I, I have been driven by Addison. I remember it was like maybe my second week at Converso working with him. And we were driving to pick up burritos. Um, and never have I felt um, more sort of competitive just to go pick up lunch. Um, I, I felt like I was in a race car and, and I guess we needed to get back to the office because he was bending quarters and speeding on the freeway um, just to get those burritos but I'm glad it was an experience um, and it was very controlled so I, I didn't feel unsafe but it was it was definitely new for me.
0: I absolutely love it. So guys uh, listening and watching in Addison is uh, somebody that I used to be an SDR with in my first startup at Zora. Uh, He owns his own race car business. And um, yeah, I've got in a car with Addison once and that is the last time because it scared the bejesus out of me. Uh, But I'm glad to hear that you survived and you're here on the show today. So thanks for that. Um, so obviously, yeah, you've 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 had that journey of kind of working in that retail sort of like commercial food experience and then going through to kind of start up your own business and entrepreneurial life. Uh, you've met Addison. He kind of like kind of uh, betted on you and it kind of paid off. Uh, and you guys are now together at Pantheon as well. Um, but obviously when we connected, uh, what I understood with you, Joshua, is that you've had somewhat of a athletic career. And this was way before thinking about sales. Um, And it was quite awe-inspiring to listen. Um, Rather than me kind of like grab back at what we were talking about, could you kind of like walk us through from like when it was at high school and in the baseball era, kind of what happened there?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So, I mean, to start off, like never did I envision uh, getting into like the corporate life. Um, That just wasn't really in the cards for me. Um, Growing up, I was a, a pretty decent baseball player um and i had you know very high hopes and expectations um to you know really take that professionally and so you know throughout um you know middle school i remember i was playing 90 games a summer in travel ball um and then come high school um was really having breakout years and getting you know great exposure to colleges and and professional teams um and that was my life that was my identity um and everything was sort of trucking along quite well um however when i was actually um in middle school i was actually younger than middle school i, w- I was diagnosed with scoliosis um mm-hmm. so my my spine had a curve to it um and it was progressively getting worse however i was uh, in a back brace so i had to wear that 20 hours a day seven days a week and the only time I would take it off was to play baseball, so like that kind of fueled the passion even more because that was what brought me freedom. Um, and then eventually, my junior year of uh, high school, I was growing a ton, and with that came um, even you know an even worse curve to my spine. Um, and it eventually got to the point where my doctors told me that I need to get an operation um, and wow. completely fuse my spine. Um, so that was, um, kind of when everything just stopped. Um, you know, I was, once again, I, I was doing fantastic with baseball and then, uh, this was a massive roadblock for me. So I, um, had my first, uh, back surgery, uh, fuse pretty much about three fourths of it. And, you know, I, I think initially they put in 22 screws and two titanium rods to keep it straight. Um,
0: so 22 singular screws into yeah, your back and then two rods.
1: Yeah, yeah. What, what uh, was going
0: through your mind when they're saying that many screws into your
1: back? You know, I was mentally preparing for it that it was eventually going to happen potentially. Um mm-hmm. you know, they told me all along that the whole bracing process um isn't kind of you know, it has some flaws to it um and you know, you still run the risk of needing to get an operation but I was willing to do any preventative things to make sure I didn't need the operation. When they told me I needed to get the surgery, I remember, you know, sitting in the doctor's office and, um, I just started bawling and and I was with my mother, um, and kind of reality was setting in that, um, I wasn't going to, you know, I, I already really wasn't normal being the kid with the back brace. Um, but I had baseball to make me feel grounded. I had baseball to make me feel um, beautiful, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. And I knew that things were going to going to kind of have a wrench in the plan. Um, so ultimately um, had to go through with the surgery um, and I was obsessed with just getting back at it. Um, recovery for the surgery is typically about a year. Um, mm-hmm you spend a significant amount of time in, in the hospital and then they send you home and the rest of the year, you just have to get better. Um, well, I, I couldn't, I couldn't sit with that. Like just me being hyperactive, um, uh, me just yearning to get back to the field. Um, I remember I started exercising. I, you know, you're, you're up all day long, um, because yeah. like your sleep patterns off. Um, and I remember being up you know during the middle of the night, everyone's asleep in the house and I start doing pushups and sit-ups like just trying to do everything <laughs> I could to feel normal again
0: um and it, so if I get this right so you you've had this surgery you're in recovery you're in and out of hospital um like you said you're yearning to get back to your passion of baseball but obviously you're having to let this body heal a bit but what you start working out like what was the advice on the doctors on that
1: <laughs> well doctors were saying just sit tight um but you know the naive 16, 17 year old um, thinks you're absolutely invincible. So I I'm, I can't really listen to that. You know, I, I hear it, but I'm not going to listen to it. Um, so I kind of start going on to my own agenda. Um, lo and behold, that wasn't the greatest decision. Um, I ended up breaking a screw in one of my lower vertebrae. Yeah, I go in for like a four month checkup um, and they're like, hey, so a screws broken. Um, we need to do emergency surgery on that because if the screw was to you know sort of shift around a little bit more like that could very well paralyze you and and what, you know, what,
0: when when you so like you were you were doing all these workouts and you go in for like your four month check-in they're like hey uh, joshua there's something wrong here and it could have like you said it could have paralyzed you what was going through your mind at that point when they told you that
1: you know once again the the, the naive 17 year old here is that um and, and isn't too concerned. I I remember thinking like, okay, this the first surgery was difficult. Um, you know, meant very mentally taxing. And like, I don't go into that all too often. I'll try to um, you know open up a little bit, but it, it's it's mentally taxing. You know, while everyone else is kind of living out their teenage years, you know, that's when everyone gets licenses and um, are sort of opening up into who they are socially. Um, I was stuck needing to worry about my health and what 16, 17 year old teenager wants to worry about their health. Um, and so when I, when I heard that I was going to need to go into the operation room again, I was, I was more concerned about my mental well-being um, than I necessarily was about my physical well-being. Um, at that point, I still wasn't willing to let um, baseball be out of the question um in my athletic career um but i knew that this was going to take a a, a major it was going to make a major impact on what that feature looked like um and so that was sobering
0: so when when you say um like you was more concerned for like your mental health compared to like your physical health could you kind of like elaborate a bit like what what was what were you aiming to do
1: Um, well, you know, I mean, mentally, I just knew, you know, the first go around and and still I was actually in, you know, a good amount of like a good bout of depression. Um, and I knew that kind of with the idea of having this other surgery looming over my head, like it was only going to get worse. Um, and once again, like, you know, my my trajectory was just off. Um, it had been, you know, thrown off with the first surgery. I thought doing pushups and sit ups was going to make me healthier ended up backfiring um and then you know here comes the second operation and and that one you know it wasn't as extensive um as the first one they added six screws to my back and added about probably six inches of uh to those initial uh two rods um Mm -hmm. but mentally it was it was draining um you know and and just just for context you know these surgeries are like 16 hours um they're absurdly long um and so i'm i'll i'll be out in anesthesia for like a whole day um mm-hmm. and my parents are just waiting you know they're getting updates here and there so honestly mom papa shout out to you that must have been really taxing for you as well uh, 100%. Yes. um but when I was, you know, recovering from that, that was brutal um, because I already kind of wasn't in the shape I needed to be in, and then I got another surgery, and I knew there was going to be even more time. And this time, I was going to need to listen to doctors a little bit better than I previously had. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't listening to my advice anymore. Um, and you know, I, I remember, you know, going back to school. I would go to school, you know, after recovery. Um, I would go to school for like three hours a day. Um, I would get kind of like essential classes out of the way. And then I would be, you know, I'd be in school from like 8.30 till like 11 every day, um, just so I can get my essential classes in. And then I would go home and rest up. Um, So once again, social exposure, zero. Um, You know, I was tapped out while I was at school. And I remember, you know, consistently my car was parked right near the baseball field and still seeing the baseball field and, and looking at You know the freshly cut grass and and getting that aroma and just um it was beating torture oh yeah yeah it was beating me up it it just Mm -hmm. um that became more and more difficult um and then as i mentioned you know like the social anxiety the, the the depression kind of grew and grew um and so that was you know go ahead
0: it's just just it's it's making me think. So obviously this was years ago, yeah. but um in the current world that we're in, uh like in the UK at the moment we've gone into another lockdown. I know things are affected again in, in the US. Um but it reminds you of kind of like what we're going through right now, you know, like social interaction is high is limited. I can look out of my window from my apartment at the moment, there's things that I can't go do, I can't go see uh yeah i can't even go see my family members at the moment but like you're saying you were going into school for short sharp bursts of time and then coming back to this well lockdown like how how was you handling that
1: yeah you know i think um i was trying to keep myself busy i I really discovered a lot of like music during that time i remember like music was a great passion of mine um i had and this is kind of when i really started developing like a tight circle tight-knit circle of friends. Um, you know, I went from being this like big social extrovert to very introverted and having like a select few of individuals I felt like I could really call on if needed. Um mm-hmm. and I think developing that small circle um was what allowed me to uh still remain healthy. Like to this day, um I'm very much like a tight knit individual. Um you know, people might think I'm extroverted, you know, and I and I can turn on when needed. Um, but ideally I'm a much more reserved individual. Um, you know, I have my dog, I have my significant other. Um, I love, you know, being in communication with my family, but like you said, like you can't even visit your family these days. Um, but I think having like your small, like social circle, um, is essential for, you know, then and now. Um, and that's something that I think I've brought, um, with me
0: kind of uh gave you in essence kind of like some early training to prepare for now so it paid <laughs> dividends to an extent yeah. and i remember like um after this period like um you you were going through this recovery but then you had this stint of going back to college um what happened at this point like with uh, sports and baseball what, what what happened after that
1: yeah so you know um at least in like the u.s like the expectation is Once you graduate high school, you go straight to college. Um, And there's a handful of individuals that I think make the right decision of having some sort of gap in between to really determine what you wanna do and what's best for you. Um, Well, I wanted to kind of follow suit and do what everyone else was doing. Um, So I still had an opportunity to um, sort of try out baseball and, and give that another run. Um so I went straight from high school to college. Um and when I went to college, I I always tell people that like I was there for like two weeks. I was there for about a quarter. Um and everything was, you know, educational. Um, you know, I was doing great with the grades, like for lack of better words, I was kicking ass in, in school. Um yeah. but what was holding me back was like the social exposure. Um, you know, everyone was there, like colleges where you you make friends and you know you're you're this adult um, and you're kind of out in the world alone without like your your parents and your family, and you get to really be who you are as an individual. Well, that frightened me. Um, you know, talking and communicating with my peers, um, I was terrible at it. Um, at least mm-hmm. in in my perspective, it made me uncomfortable, um, and in, it was exhausting. Um,
0: what, what was it about it that kind of like terrified you or kind of made you feel uneasy? What, what was it? What was kind of like going through your mind or what was the driving force behind that fear?
1: I, I feel like um, I feel like I was kind of, you know, like I, I didn't resonate with kind of their agendas. You know, my agenda was still trying to stay healthy. My agenda was still trying to get back onto the baseball field and having that obsession um, my agenda was trying to be focused and and not be you know a um a late teens early 20s year old like that that wasn't my priority it wasn't my prerogative um and i don't think that that was um at least in, from my perspective like that made me sort of an outcast even though i wasn't like i, I was once again When I'm in a situation in which I need to communicate, I can turn it on. Um, But I don't think people realize how taxing it was on my behalf. Um, And so it was a lot of insecurity. That's really what it was. A lot of insecurity, a lot of low self-esteem, just because my whole life I was kind of different because of, you know, my back brace to my back surgeries um, that I felt like, i knew the story that was going on in my mind um Mm -hmm. but those who talked to me just thought i was just like this normal teenager which i didn't feel like i was um so that was the obstacle i was experiencing um and then i remember it got to a point i I was in uh communication with my mother and telling her you know how difficult it was um and then eventually one day I, i called her up i remember i was in a econ class and I stepped out of the, and it was just so my mind was so chaotic. And I stepped out of the econ class and I I called my mother on the university quad and I was just I was just bawling. And I was like, hey, I, I need to come home. Um, so I went home and I remember one of the first things she told me, she says, OK, you can be home, but you either need to work or you need to do some sort of schooling, like go, go to community college. Um, I was like, okay, I'll do it. So um, I worked as a teacher's aide, as you mentioned, um, while still trying to get in shape. Like once again, my mind was not um, willing to come to terms with I wasn't going to be an athlete anymore. Like That was still my identity. um, But I had to do the whole teacher's aide thing so I could still live at home. Um, So I'm doing the teacher's aide thing. I actually started taking some night school classes and I picked up a pitching coach, started getting back to baseball. Um, but I just wasn't as good as I was previously. Um, and that was hurting me. Like, I, I was, like, weeks on weeks, I was, you know, working my butt off. Um, and I was, I was feeling this plateau. And I was really pushing myself. And, and then I eventually I came to terms with them, like, you know i'm not the same baseball player as i was and I, and I will never be that player again um you know my back had a lot of restriction to what i was able to do you know uh, i was a pitcher in baseball and so yeah. it's all about having a very violent movement to throw the ball as fast as you can um and my back couldn't i couldn't hold up to that um i couldn't do that on repetition and that really brought me down again you know like the whole kind of like that that depression set set in because i was like great like everything that i had been aspiring for and working for my whole life like that's gone um and coming to terms with with that was extremely difficult um and then you know i i continued um taking more classes at the community college um continued working at um as a teacher's aide, And then I actually started working at the elementary school uh, I went to growing up and just trying to still stay in shape. I was like, I don't know what I want to do with this body, but eventually I want to do something with this body. Um, and you know, I tried, I was, um, I was actually practicing with uh, my community college basketball team, getting in shape, getting conditioned, you know, lifting weights, trying to get strong again, not knowing what I'm going to do. Um, and eventually I was like, "Why do I, I need to do something completely different? Um, I need to sort of recalibrate and do something that is uncomfortable and unfamiliar to me. So I mm. can start off with like new habits. Um, to
0: kind of like come out of your comfort zone, something you're used to. In essence, again, still competitive sports, but to, uh, yeah, to kind of like keep growing and see if there's another way around this. Is that right?
1: Yeah, completely. Um, you know, the, I think individuals grow significantly when they uh, expose themselves to that discomfort. And that was kind of my hypothesis. I'm like, you know, the more uncomfortable I can be, the uh, kind of the more I'm going to be able to bring out of myself. Um, and I, you know, I had kind of all this pent up frustration. Um, you know, I, I had been going through different bouts of depression. And I thought to myself, you know, like, I, I am... You know I, I mentioned it to you in uh our previous call but you know i'm like wolverine i have yeah. you know, all this titanium adamantium like yeah, exactly. shine going on yeah. like built in yeah i'm like i'm, I'm a beast i'm like i've gone through yeah. so much like nothing can stop me um mm. and while i have my ebbs and flows like i got this and and um i've always you know appreciated uh the sweet science of boxing um and I was like, one on what? Like, I've never done it competitively. I've never like really like gone into the gym and worked out. I was like, one on what? Like, I'm going to box. Like, that's going to be, I'm going to focus my time and energy on boxing. Um, so I go in, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of like, you know, how, how we should begin. Um, and I go, I, you know, I look up different boxing gyms um, online And finally, I find one that's kind of in uh, like the downtown Oakland area. And um, it's like the kind of it feels like kind of like this uh, (laughs) Rocky-esque boxing gym. And um, turns out actually one of the boxing greats, his name's Andre Ward, um, Mm. worked out there when he was a kid as well. And I was like, you know what? Like that's inspirational to me. Like that resonates. Like I'm going to go there. I'm going to learn how to box. I'm going to be great. So I go in. And um, I start working with a trainer. We're working out. Um, you know I, I'm loving. It. I'm just falling in love. Like it, the beauty of boxing and I, I had this kind of like uh, this misconception initially that you need to be angry. Uh, boxing was so cathartic. You, ha- you have to be patient. You have to almost be in this like meditative state um, to remain focused. Mm. And that and that was perfect for me at the time. Um, while still being able to like let out the aggression I had, um, and it was just working and I was going there every single day, uh, getting my workouts in. I wasn't feeling that plateau because I had no exposure to it previously. And I was just able yeah. to push myself and eventually, um, Andre Ward's trainer came in. And at this point, Andre Ward is just like, he, he, he is, he's everything. He's like the pound for pound champ. He is just the best boxer in the world and his trainer comes in, um, and everyone's kind of you know gawking at him, and they Virgil Hunter, um, hmm. and everyone, no one's approaching him because he's Virgil Hunter. Well, I'm this naive individual who really didn't know <laughs> all too much about boxing before. Yeah. And um, <laughs> one of my one of my friends there, he was like, "Hey, that, that's Virgil Hunter." I was like, "Okay," and. I'm thinking, okay, and like, this is my first outbound exposure. Like, you know, so we're, we're, this is <laughs> a sales development podcast. This is me outbounding. I yeah. walk up to Virgil and I say, hey, Virgil. Okay, I'm 20 years old. Um, I've been an athlete my whole life. I'm giving this boxing thing a go around. And if, by the way, you can't tell, I'm like six, seven. Um, so I'm, I'm a pretty tall individual. Yeah, yeah. And um, I'm like, yeah, I really, I, I wanna be great. I'm like, how can I be great in boxing? And he looks at me and goes, hmm, he says, and he rattles off his number, just says his number. I, you know, I, wish, I wish I I wish had it in my mind right now, but honestly, <laughs> I wouldn't expose him like that. No one can have his number. <laughs> uh, but he rattles off his number. He goes, if you can remember that, give me a call after your workout and we'll talk. And like, I'm, I'm blown away. I'm like, oh my goodness, I, I just got his number. Like This is the mm. best pickup situation I've ever had in my life.
0: <laughs> you've gone up to the prospect. You've kind of I, like pitched to him. He's given you his contact details. And he said, right, give me a call if you can
1: remember this. You must have been over the moon, right? I, I was over the moon. I, I was over the moon. Like I had, had done the like upfront contract and everything, right? Like <laughs> I was doing BDR work before I knew his BDR work. And <laughs> so that. I'm yeah. like, okay. So, like the rest of my workout, I'm just like sort of rattling off his number. Everything I was doing, I was on the heavy bag, you know, rattling it off. I was shadow boxing, rattling it off. Um, mm. Finally, after the workout, I'm driving home. I'm like, nah, I shouldn't call him. I'm like, he probably didn't mean that. Oh, Not, neither here nor there. I go into the workout the next day. I'm um, in the gym. I didn't call him. I'm in the gym and, um, this individual comes in and I hadn't seen this individual at the gym before. He's kind of like looking around. And then finally he sees me and he approaches me. I'm like, who's this guy? Um, and he goes, Hey, uh, did you speak to Virgil the other day? And I was like, yeah, I did. He goes, and did he give you his number? And I said, yeah, he did. He goes, (laughs) why didn't you call him? He told you to call him. (laughs) And I was like, I was, like, I, I, I was like, I genuinely didn't know he meant for me to call him. And like, mm. you know, that's like my low self-esteem speaking, right? And he yeah, goes, yeah. no, you should have called him. He goes, now, what's your number? So I give him my mm. number. He says, all right, he'll be in contact with you. He leaves the gym. <laughs> I finished my workout. I'm like, what am I getting into? <laughs> Finally, later on, um, full exposure, I'm at a therapy appointment, okay? you know, Gotta yeah, take care yeah. of that mental health. I'm at a 100%. therapy, You know, I'm, I'm with my therapist. In the middle of my session, all of a sudden, because I had programmed Virgil's number into my phone. Like I, you know, I wasn't going to lose his number, I just wasn't gonna call him. Um yeah. all of a sudden I see his name pop up. He's calling me now. <laughs> I, tell, I was like, you Your know, prospect's I'm, chasing you yeah, now, right? I'm like, yeah, you try to book a meeting with me? I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I tell my therapist, I'm like, hey, time out, like I gotta pick this up. And she's like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah pick it up, pick it up. So I pick up the phone and i'm like hello he goes hey is this joshua and i go yeah and he goes hey um so you're gonna come work out for me okay i want you to come to my gym um was, yeah so he, he had this like special gym like only eight boxes and in each one of the boxers like they're all professionals um two of them were amateurs uh one of them was a u.s olympian like th- this this mecca of boxing if you will um, like
0: the the boxing elite in Virgil's in Virgil's place right
1: yeah exactly so this was his own you know it's a stable because you're the thoroughbred horses right um hmm. his stable was um like 20 minutes out of Oakland and uh he's like hey I want you to come to my gym tomorrow and you're gonna work out for me I was like yeah you got it so the next day Boom. I I go to the gym and um meet up with like his right hand man. Um, and then Virgil shows up, and he's like, "Workout." Ultimately, we work out for the next like four hours. Um, I'm just exhausted. It was, it was a fantastic workout, and like I was, I was, I'm once again like I'm over the moon because I'm like, wow, like yeah. my athletic career, like JB, you still have it, like you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, the, the dream is still alive. And it was a great workout. And he goes, and uh, after the workout, I'm like, hey, so like what's the what's the deal now? He goes you're going to keep coming back. He said, you're going to keep working out. And he's like, you have a spot here now. So I'm this guy who was, you know, working out, um, you know, at this regular boxing gym now has this opportunity to work out with boxing greats. And that exposure was incredible for me. And like, truthfully, I attribute that to like sort of gaining back for lack of better words, my backbone. Um, (laughs) it, It gave me the discipline. It gave me kind of the courage to, uh to speak up and and to take the leap of faith that um that was you know my exposure to boxing
0: but just to kind of stop there like what i'm envisioning right now is like going back to that back piece of like being wolverine by having the adamantium back and then you're meeting professor xavier who's saying hey come to my class you're now one of us that's yeah. kind of like where you are right now right so as in back then that's that's freaking cool man so kind of what happened next then
1: yeah, so, you know, I, I was, um, had a lot of exposure, once again, with like, these, these individuals who were just highly disciplined. And it felt like I was a part of a community that I could, like, sink my teeth into. Because, as I mentioned, like, I wasn't focused on being in my early 20s and kind of living up my life. I was focused on, like, being focused. Like, that was what I really desired. I desired that, that sense of structure and being able to um, gather back my athletic identity. And that was what I was getting, um, mm. but then um, actually during uh, one of my fights, I was actually um, sparring with this individual, and I went down. You know, this is a, a story for the boxing fans out there. I went down for a body shot instead of dropping with my legs. I sort of bent my back over um, and felt this pop. Um, you know, Ooh. I had been working out like you know I was in I was in tip top condition, um, and I felt this pop in my lower vertebrae. And it was just, it was excruciating pain, um, mm. excruciating pain went to my doctors and they're like, Hey, you know, we can't clear you to box anymore. Um, I'm sorry. And, and the, the thing that the most upsetting part is when I was diving into boxing, I told myself that this was the last time I was going to really give myself to like that athletic exposure. I said, if boxing yeah. doesn't work out, I need to stop. Um, and when my doctors said no more, it was like, goodness, like, I'm not going to lie to myself. Right. I I need to stay Mm -hmm. true to the promise I made. Um, I I need to stop. Um, and so that was really hard. Um, once again, a very sobering experience for me, kind of something that like, I felt like I kept reliving. Um, and it was important for me to like literally hang up the gloves at that point. Um, so then i you know I, I dedicated um my full time to school at that point i was like wanna what i need to graduate at this point i'm not going to be in um in athletics like i'm going to need to eventually get a job um and then my exposure being back at you know being at school full time um i realized i was like wanna what like this whole like social anxiety thing is probably something that like multiple i, I i'm not the only one experiencing this Yeah, yeah. Um, And so I went to one of my friends and we were sort of just talking it over, over some like beers. And I was like, you know, I think that there's like, there's a platform for this. Like universities don't have a platform for what we're experiencing, but we aren't alone. You know, um, social media is the icebreaker these days. Like if you aren't on social media, you are kind of like SOL or like shit out of luck in terms of having a social life. And so we ended up spending, we spent about nine months to a year building this uh, social engagement platform for universities called Open Circle. Yeah. We eventually uh, were pitching it to uh, a multitude of different universities. Eventually, actually, got the opportunity to pilot it um, at the university I went to. Um, and it was like, i was like wow this is my first exposure to building something with like like you you know using my mind um and kind of showing my like true intellect it was just all it's pure passion it wasn't um it wasn't anything that kind of like you know i was like i need to do this this was just simply because i felt like it was the right thing to do like i was experiencing it you know he also understood the kind of like the life of an introvert um and it was really exciting pitching and and building out this product building out this mvp and pitching it to universities like at that point like i was really BDRing. Um, yeah, i'm yeah, reaching yeah. out to universities completely cold about a product that wasn't tried and true and was um like startup free... life right what say that again i'm sorry like it true startup life yeah exactly um and it was an absolute grind i remember working with one of my family friends uh eric sipple and, and he was able to help me sort of navigate um this period of my life and um and, and build this platform and sort of think about how it could be integrated with universities like it was challenging um and it was actually something that like, i was enjoying um because i got the opportunity to show myself to demonstrate to myself like hey you know you aren't just an athlete right you know mm-hmm. you are someone that um that can hold another own. side to you yeah, exactly, exactly, uh, because, you know, I, I didn't really, like, like you know, school wasn't, I mean, like, I wasn't bad at it, but it wasn't something that I was extremely passionate about. Um, yeah. And so eventually, um, I graduated from college, and, um, you know, the next step was, like, okay, do we continue on with this startup? You know, we weren't able to pay ourselves, um, or do we you know, sort of branch off, go into, like, uh, more established startup life and get a better understanding on how like startups are really ran and like how companies are, are really handled and ultimately like I'm, I'm in my young 20s like i i, I want to go get paid so yeah. <laughs> um you know we part ways with that project um and i start interviewing and that's ultimately when i uh had the privilege to interview with addison at conversica um and I remember like I was, I was um, another instance in which I was like really over the moon to get that opportunity. It was my first, I, I hadn't done internships at uh, startups or, or anything corporate for that matter. Like I didn't get that exposure. I have, I know tons of people do like the intern route, the internship route. And like, I didn't do that. I was doing sports. My internships were at a boxing gym uh, and, mm-hmm. and learning from these professionals. Um, So I knew I had discipline. I knew I had grit. I knew I had this hunger Um, And then from open circle, I knew I had this like I had Some type of exposure that I knew I could be a self-starter and that any environment I was gonna get thrown into I was going to embrace Um, And I interview at conversica Um, Addison, this is kind of a fun fact. You might not know this. So I I I had my commencement. Um, so I had like the graduation ceremony um, yeah. a week after my interview. So when they're interviewing me, they're like, oh, and you've graduated college. I told people I was like, oh, um, yeah, I'm, 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 I was like, I'm doing commencement next week. I'm super excited. And but not saying I actually graduated. Ultimately, <laughs> I, I still had some I had some uh, summer units I should take care of. And then I graduated. Uh, and I remember one of the, the HR woman once I got hired at Converseca, she's like, "Hey, so um, we we sort of found that you haven't graduated Uh-oh. yet." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, I was like, hey, hey, I was like, time out. I said I've done commencement. I was like, I, I never explicitly said I graduated.
0: I was like, but yeah, and, yeah. At, and
1: at this point, I was like one one week away from like actually graduating. I was like, hey, but I'll have my <laughs> diploma in your hand next week. I promise you that." um i I lived up to that promise and everything but i i I wanted the job right i needed the job i wanted the job Mm. and um i you know once again like when i was at conversca um you know addison did a great job of really getting me prepared for like what was to come And, and and you know some advice that he gave me was like hey you know you want a rocket ship of a career and to do that like you want to make sure your trajectory is going up from the get-go. Like, don't take time to dilly-dally. Don't take time to sort of, like, settle in. Like, push yourself right away. Because if you do that, like, the trajectory of your career is going to be what you want it to be. And that was, like, my goal. I was, like, you know, once I got that advice, I was, like, you know, I'm going to be hitting quota every single month. Um, I'm going to be taking on more responsibility uh, than most SDRs are given. Um, Mm. and, And... kind of the um, similar mindset I took to boxing, like, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. Like, this is yeah. definitely far out of my comfort zone, but I'm going to embrace this. And I'm going to push myself. Um, so I, you know, did a great job um, as an enterprise SDR at Conversica. And then eventually, like my what I really wanted to do was get into sales development. Um, I want to be a manager for sales development just because I was falling in love with it. Um, yeah. you know, the process to grind. Um, and like we, we mentioned at the beginning of this, like the hype of it, right? Every yeah. single day you have to be hyped, Um, and, Definitely. and at this point, uh, Addison was at Pantheon. I reached out to him. I said, Hey, you know, really want to be in sales development management. Can I earn that opportunity at Pantheon? He said, Hey, mm-hmm. come on board here. He said, prove yourself. And then we can see if it works out. Eventually I made the move to Pantheon. Uh, Great decision! I you know did a good job there. Um, you know, proved myself as an individual contributor, and then have yeah. the privilege uh, to move up to sales development management um, and building an outbound team, a real outbound engine um, here at Pantheon. Um, and still, once again, stepping out of my comfort zone. Right? You know, like this mm-hmm. job pushes me on a day to day basis. But like the beauty of like building a good career um is is not being complacent um and it's sort of embracing the challenges that you're you're given um and 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 working out and trying to find solutions um and every single day it's that reminder of kind of being in the gym um uh, being on the baseball field uh you know, the same things i was able to do to push my body like i'm doing that today to push my mind and sort of excel the team in and, and the organization
0: You finally got your field of dreams, my man, Joshua. That was a hella inspiration. Um, There's so many pieces in that. and Again, as I said at the beginning of the show, that's why normally we have SDRs, but your story reminds me of so many elements um, in your personal life that we, as SDRs, we go through in that. So like you're saying, going back to uh, being in school where you're going through the motions with members around you and you feel like you don't fit in. You feel a bit... Uh, different in a a sense and that's something a lot of SDRs can feel um you're going through where you've got these targets of this is what you want to do this is where you want to be but you're constantly hit with knockbacks you know like not only to your health but to your mental health and there's these elements where we feel like we're drowning and it gets us depressed you know but like you said you were searching okay so if this isn't fitting what else can I do what else can I try out and you'd go through it and you think, okay, this is it, this is it. And I even thought that as well. Like when I was wanting to be an SDR, an SDR manager, an AE, and I'd always be hit with knockbacks in my career. And it would get me down, you know, but like talking to other people and you're a fighter, you are literally that Wolverine, you're you're getting damaged, you're rehealing. Then you have these multiple and profe- I'm sorry about the, the Marvel analogies here. I'm a big no Marvel words. fan. Hey, I'm
1: good. <laughs> I appreciate but, it.
0: Um, you're, you're kind of regenerating yourself, um, but you've got that fighter mentality in you um, of, do you know what? If this isn't going to happen, then I'm, I'm going to go try this. And I think that's some great advice to give to SDRs because, again, um, we sometimes need to give it 12 to 15 months before we can actually, you know, move on to the next bit. But you're going to be hit with hundreds of knockbacks, with objections, with prospects, with other staff members, and things that could either make you or literally, like, break you, right? Um, and like you said, you went through the whole experience of trying to launch uh, a business yourself and going through those motions of pitching. You also, like with Virgil Hunter, you're cold calling. You went out to your prospect, you reached out to him. You didn't follow up. Look what happened. It, 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 it did bring you, it brought you there. Um, and like, as you said, like, I'm, I can definitely see why Addison took a bet on you um, because you've, you've got those innate qualities of somebody that goes and gets it. You know, you go up and get it, uh, you, you're open to coaching and feedback again, which is great traits for an SDR. I always get asked is, okay, they, they can definitely be a top performer, but are they coachable? Are they manageable? You know? Yep. Um, but also like, uh, again, uh, again, I can't, I don't know why I can't say this. It's, there's something wrong with me. Yeah, I'll say uh, con,
1: conversica conversica. I'll say it for you. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Um, but then you, like you said, you fell in love with sales development so much normal uh, SDRs that come through, they want to go straight into the account executive closing position. But you then took the different path, which again, something I did as well, which is going into management because you had that passionate, uh, that passion about the, the art of prospecting, you know, like hyping up these team members. And as you said, it is a challenge in itself to like motivate a team and hype them up. So again, if anybody's listening or watching this, there is more than one path. Uh, and you will go through trials and tribulations, but again, Joshua, like hats off to you uh, for for slugging it out uh, and getting to to where you are today, my man. And another interesting piece uh, that really resonates with me um, is the whole introvert piece. So I can relate to that because um, outside of work, I'm somebody that enjoys music, and I perform in music, and I do a bit of rapping. And I remember I used to travel across Europe uh, doing shows. But I was always the sort of person that I would be happy to just stay in my room. I don't want to talk to too many people after a day at work or a day at school or university, whatever. Um, uh, But when I have to turn it on to be a host, to be a performer, to be an SDR, to be a manager, I can turn it on. So I'm assuming uh, some people think in order to be in sales, you have to be an extrovert but there are talented introverts. What advice would you give to the introverts listening on kind of how can they take it to the next level but still feel comfortable about this?
1: Yeah, um, great question. And I'm I'm also glad, you know, you also mentioned that to me that um, you you yourself are an introvert as well. You know, I think that my advice to introverts um, is, you know, be curious. Um, You'll find something about the job that intrigues you. you know, I think that especially when you're, Working with other twenty-somethings or thirty-somethings that um, you know you have tons of extroverts in a sales organization, but um, come to realize that like it might not always be the people or the product that gets you going and gets you out of bed to do the job, right? You know, sometimes it's you know you find something in specific that you just really latch onto, and that's what gets you through the day. And especially for like the reps that are you know six to nine months in, and you feel like. You know, you're hitting that plateau um, and things are getting a bit beige. You know, latching on to, you know, creating new messaging um, and, and, and just staying focused on like the betterment of yourself. Um, that's what ha- has helped me as an introvert, um, mm-hmm. because, you know, I'm not always the individual to be attending the happy hours. Um, and at times that can make me feel left out. Um, mm-hmm. That can make me feel like, man, like maybe I should go, but that's not really my comfort zone um that you know that that isn't kind of like what really gets me going so what does is like just that constant um desire to get better at a specific part of my craft um Mm. that's what's helped me as an introvert specifically
0: solid advice man like i'm just thinking about the headline of the show already like the guy who broke his back but had the (laughs) biggest comeback (laughs) friggin love it man um but as 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 we're coming to the end of what is been and again an inspirational show and hopefully the guys that are watching and listening in hopefully you're able to take something away from this but as i ask every guest if you were to give three bits of advice um to a younger joshua that might be about to embark on this career do you know they're in a completely different career and they're contemplating about getting into tech and sales development what three bits of advice would you give them josh
1: okay so i would have to say uh and you haven't seen me drink at all during this um podcast but stay hydrated um for those who know me like i drink a gallon of water a day um i have found that staying hydrated not only makes you feel great but it gives you that healthy edge um and it also it it, It makes for a clear mind and like you know staying hydrated is going to lead to other great things that you do for yourself your body and your mind um but that's kind of just like the foundation if you can get hydration taken care of you're gonna start eating a little bit healthier you might start going Mm -hmm. to bed at a better time um you know you might start you know working out a little bit you know doing things for your body and your mind enables you to have a competitive edge at work um and I know that might sound strange, but staying hydrated is thoroughly important. I will always push hydration. Um, and then you know, a positive attitude goes a long way. Um, you know, this job is going to pet, uh, test your patience um, and it's gonna test your ability to be kind to yourself. Um, you know, Being able to keep positive and be kind to yourself um, and not have that negative narrator in the back of your mind That also gives you a competitive edge um, because it is so easy to get down on yourself, you know, especially once again, like those the SDRs that have been in the role for a year or the SDRs that, you know, have uh, might have missed quota during a month or a quarter. Um, Being able to still keep a positive mindset and drive yourself. um, It goes a long ways Um, and, and sort of develop that habit, that routine as early as possible. So you don't build those bad habits of negativity um, because it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole. Um, Agreed. I, I would also say this was some advice that I remember a VP of sales gave me. Um, I was crushing it. I remember I was like, it was one of my best months ever at Conversica. And he pulled me aside and he goes, Hey Joshua, um, you know, you're, you've been pumping the brakes lately. I was like, pumping the brakes? Like, what, what are you talking about? I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm the top of the leaderboard. You can't tell me I'm pumping the brakes. And he goes, well, just because you're at the top of the leaderboard, does that mean um, you're giving it your all? And I thought to myself, and I thought to myself, well, maybe I could probably be a bit higher. Like, at that point, it was like halfway through the month, I was already at 100% quota. And I thought to myself, well, maybe if I was giving it my all, I could be at 150% of my quota at this point and you know, time being when he was sort of talking to me i was I, I i convinced him actually i don't think i convinced him at all but i told him <laughs> that i was giving it my all um and then i took some time to introspect and i was like why don't i like i'm not giving it my all like i i can be expecting more from myself so like i guess ultimately my advice is if you think you're giving it your all like be honest with yourself Like, be as transparent as possible. And sometimes that's sobering. Like, sometimes you don't want to admit to yourself that you are not giving it your all. Um, But when you do have those instances in which you're, you know, giving it 100%, um, you'll find magic. Um, And you'll realize that you can achieve so much more than you believe and than you set out to. Um, So be as transparent as possible with yourself. Um, Don't lie to yourself and say you're giving it 100%. If you're really giving it 75% because you're cheating yourself on an extra 25 that you want to see, your company wants to see, um, everyone who's supporting you wants to see that extra 25 come out. Uh, so, so be transparent with yourself.
0: Hell yeah. You brought the hype, Joshua. You brought the hype as per your LinkedIn tagline. <laughs> now I see why. So thank you for that. <laughs> um, and before we end, are there any shout outs that you'd like to give out?
1: uh tons of shout outs uh, so obviously addison lee uh thank you so much for you know, introducing um and, and connecting neil and i you know, like this is a hundred percent huge opportunity for me you've given me a massive opportunity just in the corporate world you're you're my virgil hunter of corporate america uh so thank you Addison. <laughs> i lee. love it uh you know obviously got to shout out my mother like I would put her first, but this is a sales development podcast. (laughs) Mother, um, my father, um, my brother, my sister, um, my, my girlfriend, um, my dog, you know, all these individuals that, you know, sort of are my backbone, right? You know, I have a few spine, but I still do need that extra hand, you know, sort of holding me up. And those are the individuals that like really hold me down and keep me grounded um so i appreciate you all very much um and you know converse and pantheon for giving me an opportunity um you know i i still see myself as an athlete i still am obsessed with working out i'm still you know if i have an opportunity if, if someone called me up and said hey jb you want to come pitch for our major league baseball team oh i'm doing that. i'm taking that opportunity right away <laughs> but time still being the time <laughs> being you know You know, everyone who's taken a gamble on me and and really let me show my true colors. um, Like, thank you. Um, So those are those are my shout outs.
0: Thank you so much. And if there is anybody out there um, who's listening or watching this podcast and they want to get in touch with you to kind of get some like two cents or, you know, just get some hype into their life, what's the best way to connect with you, Joshua?
1: Um, sh- sh- go to my LinkedIn, uh, Joshua Brown. You'll see me. at My tag is uh, sales development manager and hype man. Um, so look for this face. Um, also, um, I would put out my phone number, but I feel like I get a ton of cold calls, so I'm not going to do that. <laughs> you won't get my phone number today. Uh, That's fine. Time being, you can reach me at uh, Joshua, J-O-S-H, U-A, period, Brown. B-R-O-W-N at Pantheon.io. Uh, but if you're listening to this podcast in five years, I, I might be somewhere else, but who knows? I, lo- I love <laughs> Pantheon, so I very well could still be at Pantheon right now.
0: You never know. But I'll make sure that within the show notes, guys, uh, watchers and listeners that um, I'll put in uh, Joshua's LinkedIn so you can connect with him. Uh, definitely highly recommend it. Um, Seen some updates from yourself so far. sir. And again, it would be great to get you back on the show later down the line. Uh, again, an idea that I'm currently toying with is to have like a dynamic duo. So maybe get you and Addison back in or maybe you uh, with one of your SDRs. I'd love to, to kind of do a dynamic duo with the manager. And the SCR, so that could be a cool idea.
1: Don't tempt me um, your time.
0: <laughs> I'm tempting. I'm planting <laughs> the seed. This is, this is me outbounding. Um, but Joshua, you've been an absolute fabulous guest. Thank you so much for your time. Definitely want to have you back on as a future guest. Uh, but I wish you all the best success for 21. Uh, and most importantly, my man, happy selling.
1: Thank you very much, Neil. And yes, to all the listeners out there, happy selling. Thank you.
0: Disco call one word, at bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.